praying for you. Well, with the testimony, too. Amen. Well, if you want to open your Bibles to Luke 7, Luke 7, verse, uh, we'll be in verse 36, Luke 7, 36. Um, so now I'm going to conclude my series on urban legends of the Christian faith. I think this could just keep going on and on. There's a lot of things that I, I've just seen you take notice of that uh, we as Christians, we believe many times, but it's not the truth. It's not reality. And uh, we need to hone in and, and become more men and women of the word. And uh, so as you're turning there, we've looked at some different urban legends uh, throughout our time. Uh, God will not give us more than we can handle. And the fact is, does he give us more than we can handle? Yes, often. He does that to trust him more. And that's what the church is for, is to help one another. This morning in our uh, Sunday school class, we read the verse, how we, how we ought to warn the unruly. We ought to comfort the feeble-minded. We ought to support the weak. And we ought to be patient with one another. That sure sounds like a wonderful verse in helping one another when they're going through tough things or things where they need some help in that way. Uh, good Christians always feel close to God. The fact is that um, as you read the Bible and the scriptures, there are times where God does not feel there because you, you can't trust your feelings. It's part of our faith journey. Uh, God wants us to be happy. Well, he wants us to have joy in, joy in him. Um, the other one was what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Okay, And that's a total fallacy, a lie from Satan. All of our actions, whether good or bad, have a huge influence, not only on ourselves, but on uh, those around us. And ultimately, our relationship with God. Last week, we talked about um, how God, uh, the the urban legend, how God, in, in the idea of really trying to reconcile two different views, uh, that God used evolution to create man and uh, this world, and that they just they can't reconcile evolution and creation. You, you can't. They're total diametric opposites. And uh, so, I hope that was helpful. And uh, tonight, I want to talk about. Uh, really another one, and, and um, it's, I think there's just a little bit of misunderstanding because I think there's something very practical uh, with this. Um, but before I do, I really wanted to share a little bit about, I got your interest now. Um, that was a kind of commercial. No. <laughs> uh, before we do, I, wanted, I want to tell you to keep praying for us as we get ready to go to Peru. There's seven of us going. Uh, tonight, Lord willing, we'll have a picture and... Um, and uh, we're going to go and, and kind of just ask people to pray for us. And we do need some help financially, but um, God's providing. It's really neat. Um, but our missionary down in Peru is is Brother Miller and his family. And uh, we're going to be down there during a pastor's conference with their family. I didn't realize how big this thing could be. And they don't, they don't really have a number. They don't really reserve a space, I guess, or a spot. They'll put like four or five families in a room. Um, which sounds, they're just, they're, their culture's different than ours, okay? Um, but there could be up to 170 pastors, they said. So a big group. Um, we're looking at helping with that. I have a session to teach a workshop there. And then also we're going to help with the Vacation Bible School from 9 to noon, Monday through Friday. Um, and so we're going to help with crafts and games. And then um, possibly one of us is going to teach too. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and then just through our music, Drew's going, so he's going to play the trumpet, Cheryl plays the flute, and then the team's going to sing some songs, and just a lot of things are coming together, so please pray for that, and um, we appreciate your prayers in that way. All right, we'll get back to our message. I just wanted to give you an update on that, but um, tonight, the Urban, Urban Legend 7 is this, and, it, and I want to be careful here, 
God forgives our sin. Okay, that's definitely true. He can forgive it through Christ. But the other aspect is the aspect that God forgets our sin. Okay? And I, and I want to be careful in this because there are some real good verses we'll look at tonight that talk about how God remembers our sin no more. Okay? And so in talking about this, I want us to think this through because I think it has very practical implications for how we forgive others and help others in their journey. Uh, a general once said to John Wesley, he said, I never forgive and I never forget. To which John Wesley replied, then, sir, I hope you never sin yourself. <laughs> because if each one of us had that type of attitude towards one another, boy, this would be a horrible world, wouldn't it? Uh, it would be a horrible, horrible world. And so Isaiah 55, 6 through 7 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon See, God wants to abundantly pardon. He wants to forgive. He wants us to search him. Uh, Often in evangelism, we use this this illustration to help people to really see how they've sinned before a holy God. Really, the the idea here is that uh, we need forgiveness. We need the gospel. We need daily cleansing because we're sinners in need of a savior. We're, We're in need of that intercession of Christ interceding for us as our advocate, declaring us righteous. But in talking to folks, we often use an illustration that says if you sin three times a day, uh, let's say you had a bad thought, you're angry at somebody, you just had that thought, it was all kinds of things. Maybe you didn't even say those things that were in your mind, but that's sin. The Bible says even your thoughts God sees and he knows. If you do something you know is wrong to do, okay, now it could be something you said that was very rude to your spouse, okay, that's a sin. Um, and then lastly, it could be something that could be a sin of omission, which we're told to be seeking the Lord. We're told to be praying without ceasing. We're told to to um, not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So those are things we ought to be doing, right? And there's many commands in the word of God. And so if you sin three times a day for a year, that's around a thousand sins. If you live to be the age of 80, that's around 80,000 sins or transgressions or breaking the law. If you had to stand before an earthly judge with 80,000 times you broke the law, what do you think the judge would do? Throw, throw the book at you, yeah. <laughs> he would lock you up and never let you out. Uh, no, the idea is that you, you would fall totally short. You, your sentence would be huge. But the idea is that we, we have a huge sin de- debt compared to our God. And God is holy and he is just. And every sin that we have committed must be dealt with because God's character, he is a holy and just God. Okay. Now, there's many ways that people want to find forgiveness. They want to find forgiveness in trying to do something good that will outweigh their bad. And in their minds, and this is even maybe an urban legend for Christians, a myth, even in our own, we, we feel guilty for our sin, for our bad actions, the way we treated somebody. And we feel like, oh, if I can just you know, give a little bit more money in the offering plate, or if I can, if I can just serve a little bit longer, or I can do something really nice, I'll try to have two good kind words to every bad word I say that'll somehow just kind of exonerate all those, those uh, previous sins and things. And the fact is that, that that's not enough. 
The Bible is very clear for our righteousness is as filthy rags. Okay. And so we need, again, we need that the precious blood of Christ to cleanse us. We need the gospel. Our good cannot outweigh our bad because we're still bad. Okay. Um, And you wouldn't want somebody to say that to a judge that had done something wrong to you or one of your family members. If they said, and they said to that judge, but judge, understand, I've done all these good things, all these good things. So just let me go scot-free. You'd say, no, some things need to be dealt with. Um, these are horrible things that took place to my family, right? And, and ultimately, we want to forgive, but there are consequences. And it's important for people in our own system to, to, to be dealt out and go through the process. We don't want them to hurt other people, okay? But this is the idea that we stand before God and we need his forgiveness. And his forgiveness is found in Christ alone. And he says, if you confess your sins, you call that sin what it is before God. He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Folks, is that something we only do when we first come to know Christ? It ought to be a daily cleansing that we need. It ought to be. And and, uh, just yesterday, thinking about one of the men that prayed in our group in our men's prayer time, he just prayed, God, search us, show us. Uh, that wicked way in us. Show us where we can get right with you. And I thought, boy, that was good. We need that daily cleansing from the Lord. In this passage today, we're going to look at um, uh, Luke Luke seven uh, verse thirty six here, and it's it's a good it's a good reminder for us to realize that God is ready and willing to forgive sinners. He's ready and willing to forgive you and to cleanse you. It doesn't matter the the depth of your sin or how bad it is in man's eyes. All sin is bad in God's eyes, right? If you've broken God's law in one point, you've broken it all. And so let's read along here. I think as you read along, this will be a familiar story, but I think a helpful, a helpful, true account of a woman that just had a love for her Savior. Luke 7, verse 36, Luke writes, And one of the Pharisees desired him, that being Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet or to eat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Okay, an alabaster box of ointment. I've studied this before, and it's, it's really something that's sealed. That alabaster is to preserve the ointment once you open it up, it's done. You've got to use, basically, you have all of it to use. You can use a little bit, but after a while, you don't have a way to really store it. Um, and, it's, and it's to be used up. So she breaks this very expensive, very precious ointment. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Boy, what a sacrificial way of showing love and cleaning Jesus's feet, even with her own hair and, and, and kissing his feet. And boy, wow. And when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself. Within himself, notice. Self-righteousness, prideful attitude. This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman that is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And she probably was, as many believe, she probably was a prostitute. She probably had been involved in very public sin. 
But here she was weeping and crying at the feet of Jesus. And this man saying this inside him. You know, folks, if you're not careful, if you're if you're not walking and getting that daily cleansing with the Lord and being humbling yourself before the Lord, it's very easy to become like a Pharisee and to say within yourself that you are better than someone else. God, help us not to have that type of a spirit, but a spirit of boy wanting to get the gospel out and in helping and humbling ourselves. We all have a past. We all deal with uh, with sin and our feet get feet get get dirty at times. Verse 40 and Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. This idea of a pence was a day's wages. So 50 days wages. I mean, that's that's a lot. Okay. Um, but 500 days wages, man, that's like two years salary. That's that's uh, at least a year and a half. That's a lot. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. And here's here's right away kind of the idea of what it means to forgive. He forgave them both. The idea is that he released the debt. And as you study out um, the different words that are used for forgiveness, there's a couple different ideas. One of the ideas is just to let go, to let go of something. Okay, you're carrying something. You feel like somebody's done something wrong to you and they need to repay it. They need to repay it. So the idea here is that you're releasing them. You're saying you no longer need to pay this. You no longer need to do whatever it is to, to reach that point of, of doing all that you need to do. Okay, and think about this for yourself. There are times where somebody wrongs you. They've wronged you bad. I think of driving. Oh, that's the easiest for me. Someone cuts in front of you. Sometimes that's me cutting in front of somebody else. I should not do that. My van, my van has a little, has a little light. It's a yellow light that pops up on my mirror when somebody's beside me. But you know how easy it is to overlook a little light right on my mirror? Um, it, it happens. But somebody that, somebody that, that it cuts in front of you, it's very easy to get upset at them because you feel like you're personally at harm, you feel like you're going to get hit. You feel like your life's at stake, especially if you got your family in there. Oh my, your heart starts palpitating, you know, and and all those things that are taking place, and you and you want to have, somehow get them even, get get even with them. Okay. Um, now that never goes anywhere, does it? Retaliation and 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 redoing it, it never goes anywhere. And some of these things just build and build and build, and you got road rage and. And you've seen it, and it's, it's sad. But things like that happen. So the idea of forgiveness here is the idea of to release a debt, to let go. In the Old Testament, it had the idea of covering something, to, to cover it or to hide it. The Day of Atonement was once a year to, to cover their sins, although not enough. The blood of bulls and goats was not enough. It needed to be a, a human sacrifice that could, that could die in our place. And that's why the gospel is such, so beautiful. And such a good news in that Jesus humbled himself and became man. He became flesh because a human had to die for sin. We deserve to die for our sin. We should die because we have wronged a holy God. Think about this a second. If, if, I, wrong, if, I, if I wrong somebody, let's just say the average Joe. Okay? If I did something to him, uh, I went out... Well, I wouldn't do this, but let's say I did get upset with somebody. They cut me off. I follow them into the grocery store and I say, I don't know what your name is. I don't know what you've done, but you, you cut me off. I'm going to come in here. And if I just slap them right across the face, I would not do that. I would probably, no, just kidding. I, um, I would be in big trouble, wouldn't I? 
The police could come. They could put me in jail. That's an assault. That's a big deal. Okay. Um, now let's, and I, I would get, I would, I would get in big trouble. Let's just move it up a little bit. Um, let's say, uh, let's say this, this would not happen, but let's just say this. Let's say the, the president of the United States was in town like he was recently. Let's say he and his autocade or whatever was going and they just cut me off and I'm a little nobody and I follow them and I go up. And I somehow sneak in and I say, I don't care what your name is. I don't care who you are. You just cut me off and I slap him. <laughs> oh, my. I, no, let's not do that. But <laughs> um, if I slap him, I'm going to be in even greater trouble. Folks, we've offended a holy God, the creator of us. And so since we've offended him, we, we deserve punishment for our sin. He created us. He, he has set the, the rules and the laws and the different things for each of us. And because of Adam, Adam and Eve and their sin, we can play the blame game. Because of them, I'm a sinner. But the fact is, we can't do it on our own. And that's where Christ coming to this earth, becoming a child, becoming a man, living a perfect life, his act of obedience, always doing right, always speaking right, always doing these things so that when he got on that cross, a just man for unjust people, he could die and he could shed his blood as a perfect lamb of God in my place to die for me. And then he proved up, proved it by being raised from the dead. You see, folks, that's that's the forgiveness that we can have because of Jesus. The dilemma of God being a holy, righteous God is 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 fulfilled. And through Jesus Christ, God is merciful. He's ready to forgive. He's compassionate. But this great divide here can only be solved through Jesus Christ. We can't do it. And that's why we need his forgiveness. And so as we look here, he talks about Jesus gives this and he forgives. One has a big debt, a year and a half to two years wages. The other one's, uh, you know, 50 days uh, work and it's forgiven. It's released. It's let go. Uh, aren't wouldn't you be thankful for some debt being taken away? I would. I'd even if it's a little bit, right? <laughs> um, but he says there, um, he forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? That's interesting. Simon here uh, answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, you have rightly judged. And so there, there ought to be, the more you're forgiven, the more grace and compassion you're given, the more more you ought to love somebody and be thankful. Well, if there's no thankfulness for, for anything, there, there's a problem. Okay, we, We've got to be careful. I know I've got to be careful. We don't become freeloaders in our society and, and things. We, we've got to be able to be thankful and do what we can. But the honest thing is they were forgiven something they could. Uh, well, I don't know if they could pay it, but here's the idea that they were forgiven uh, and not needing to pay anything now. Verse 44, And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed me my feet with ointment. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth 
little. There's a principle there. The idea is Jesus was able to forgive her sin. He was the only one that could bridge the gap so that she could have that cleansing, that her sin and her guilt could be forgiven, that she could ultimately have eternal life. And she showed her faith by what? Be willing to humble in, humble herself, to go right in and to cleanse Jesus's feet and to show, try to show love as, as best she could. Verse 48, and he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves again, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Here's a wonderful truth right away. As you are forgiven, we ought to go in peace. The idea there is that peace is this unity, this oneness where you can go and be a peacemaker and help others to be find that forgiveness through Christ also. Folks, I don't know about you. I, I think of my my uh, father-in-law. He'll be with us in a little bit um, coming out for Christmas. And uh, he talks about the life he had growing up. And it wasn't until he was midlife that he came to know Christ as his Savior. And God changed him and saved him. He, he um, I don't want to say too much. He's coming. But anyways, he's a, he's a neat, neat man that God has used and. And just he was he was saved. And it's interesting as you get saved later in life, sometimes you appreciate your the gospel so much more. But not always. As we realize that when we're really honest, we're we all fall so short. Paul said, The more the more I live, the more I realize I'm I'm a chief of sinners. Okay? Um, as you, as you grow in your relationship with Christ, you start realizing more and more how you fall short. And so the question here tonight is, God forgives, but does he forget our sins? Really, the dilemma I have is, is God, God knows everything. He is, he is the God of all understanding. He remembers things. I mean, he is, he's all-knowing. He's far and above each one of us. We're so finite and infinite. But God knows the very details. Before we could understand the cell and all the things that were in there, God knew everything about it, far beyond what we could even imagine. Does God, does God just forget things? Um, like some of us, maybe <laughs> I hate, I'm, I'm not that old, but there's still times I'm like, what was I thinking? What was that again? And then I still can't remember. And then it's about midnight at, and then I remember and no one's there and it doesn't matter. So, um, and some of you know more than I do about that, <laughs> but, um, does God just forget? Well, the answer is truly from scripture. Let's see what some verses say. Um, and a few of these, we'd get this idea just for Give and forget. Well, Isaiah 43, 25. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm, I'm just going to read it off my paper. But Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, even I, this is very emphatic, Pastor. It uses the, the Hebrew I, the personal first person pronoun, two times there. Very emphatic. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and I will not remember Thy sins. Boy, what a wonderful promise, right? This idea of blotting it out is the idea of... um, Best illustration, it's not that great of an illustration, but when we go to camp every year, I go and usually have one of my boys and another gentleman go around and we check cabins. And uh, some of the new counselors, they don't don't bring uh, decorations always. I, I try to remind them, I try to tell them what team they're on. And they just, they just doesn't click. And it's pretty important because you get points for your team. And it's just the camaraderie. And 
all these things. It makes it fun for the kids. But sometimes I tell them, I said, you don't have decorations. You can do something. Why don't you go get some rocks and with those rocks or those branches, write out your team name. Okay, just write it out. And then when I go by, I can say, at least you got some decoration points. Okay, it's really not too big of a deal, but, you know, it's kind of kind of important. So I'll go around, and, and sure enough, lots of times, sometimes if they don't do anything, I'm like, oh, I'm really docking them. I said you could do something, you know, but I try to be fair and nice <clears throat> sometimes. But um, uh, anyways, they, they do that, and they put, they'll usually do that. And one time they said, Pastor Nathan, this is in Rocks, Pastor Nathan Rocks. I thought that was pretty good, okay. Um, but <laughs> anyways, they put that on there. Um, and one of the ways of blotting that out, literally, the idea here is that you just go and you wipe away all the rocks in the rocks. You put the rocks down. You can't even tell that there was anything that was written there. That's the idea of blotting out, okay. So let's, let's think of another. Let's look at a couple other ones. Hebrews 8.12. And there's another one in Hebrews. If you want to turn there, you can, but I have it on my sheet. It says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. All right? Did God just forget? It's very clear he remembers them no more. And then lastly, Hebrews 10, 16 through 17. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. All right, again, and the idea of forgiveness is to release a debt, to let go, to cover it, to hide it, to, to put it away. Um, uh, someone, someone has said this, and I think it's great, uh, a great statement, a quote. It says, forgiveness ought to be like a canceled note, torn in two and burned up so that it can never be shown against the man. But some, how often, though, truly, when we someone asks forgiveness or asks forgiveness to us, do we just release it, let it go, um, tear it in half, burn it, never to bring it up again? I think that's something where it's the grace of God and it's His help and His Spirit that helps us to have that type of forgiveness. Because that's really what I want to get to later. But Isaiah thirty-eight seventeen is pretty helpful also. It says, Behold, for peace I have great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Again, that idea of covering that sin. You see, God doesn't just have uh, dementia time when, he, when you ask for forgiveness. He makes a choice to never bring that sin up again. He deliberately chooses to remember it no more, like he would throw something behind his back, like I would go and I would destroy all those rocks and put them aside, like blotting it out. It's not that God forgets things. It's the idea that he chooses. He's faithful. He's just. He, he keeps his promises. He chooses not to bring it up again. And it's because of the bloodshed sacrifice that Christ would do, and the idea here in Isaiah, looking forward to the Messiah coming, we look back that Christ would pay our sin debt in full. One of the statements from the cross was, it is finished. Okay? It is finished. The idea is there, teletestized. The idea that it's, 
it's completed. Everything's done that needs to be done. Looks like a painter as he paints his last stroke on the painting. He steps back and he says, that's it. I, I can't do anything else to finish it. That, that's the masterpiece. Christ, when he died on that cross, when he paid it, he said, that's it. I can't do anything else. It's paid in full. So when you come humbly before God and ask him for forgiveness of your sins, whether that be in salvation or even daily, there is the fact that Christ intercedes for you. He has paid your sin debt in full. And God says, I will choose to never bring that up again. Jesus Christ is up in heaven. He is interceding. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's your advocate there. Whenever Satan, the accuser of the brethren, comes and he brings up all these accusations and, and even your own mind thinks about all these horrible things you've done, it's been paid in full because Jesus Christ paid for it. He rose from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father. Folks, we've got to remember, if there's times where we think, well, God, you can't forgive me. You're not, I mean, I'm not good enough. That is pride. That is not faith. Faith says you paid it in full. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Wow, what a wonderful truth. The most vilest of sinners Christ can forgive and they cannot bring, bring that sin up again. Now, there is human consequences here on this earth, no doubt. We live with those. David lived with those. Others lived with those. Even the thief on the cross and, and, and Jesus said to him, he forgave him, today you shall be with me in paradise. What a beautiful statement, but at the same time, he's still going to die. Okay? There was a consequence there that was, that was met out, but it's not a consequence in eternity. Okay? To have your sin debt blotted out, to have that relationship. God chooses not to remember our sins. He chooses to never bring them up again. He doesn't forget because he cannot but he doesn't remember them either. That is, he will never bring them up again. Why? Because they have been forgiven in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why truly, as you read Hebrews 11, we don't read about all their sins. The, the hall of faith, the chapter of faith. We read about these men that had this faith in God. He doesn't bring up all their sins. Did they have sins and issues? You betcha. Yeah, you read about them. But it doesn't bring up anything because they've been cleansed of that. Their sins not their God remembers their sins no more. Wonderful when, when Jesus forgave the man, the paralytic, that was let down through the roof, right? What is the first thing he did to that man? He said, I, I forgive your sins. Really getting to the heart of the matter. The Pharisees didn't like that, but Jesus showed how he was God. He was able to forgive just like he did this woman. You see, um, sometimes we don't feel that God can forgive us, but he can if you feel that your sins are so bad that God can't take them away, then you don't know the great depth of God's love and the power of forgiveness that is found in the sacrifice of Christ. Sometimes it's difficult to feel forgiven because we know certain things we have done are so bad that we deserve to be punished. So we can't understand how God would be so kind and loving to forgive us, but it's true. His infinite love is greater than your finite sin. Though our sin is great, we have a greater Savior. Amen. Well, the truth is this. Like there in Luke, she was to go in peace. As you have been forgiven, you ought to forgive others also. And there's another story there that, that Jesus gave where the man was forgiven of all kinds of debt. All kinds of Way more than two years. I mean, it was so much he couldn't even live. He couldn't even live that long. 
And then he gets out and he has another man that owes him some money and he goes after him. He wants that money. He wasn't able to forgive him. You see, as Christians, we ought to be the most forgiving people around, ready to forgive because we have been forgiven through Christ. So what this means in understanding that God chooses to bring our not to bring our sin up anymore. When someone asks us for forgiveness, we ought to choose to remember their sin no more. That takes the grace of God, doesn't it? And that takes faith. Because will people wrong you and will they wrong you again? Jesus said, how they said, how often should we forgive somebody? Seven times. Jesus said, 70 times seven. Okay, I, you know, I want to pref- I want to add something to that. But that's what Jesus said. When people continue in sin and things that may the fact they're not saved, we need to just help them to, <laughs> to turn to Christ where they can find that that the gospel that can change them. OK, but we ought to forgive and forgive and forgive. Clara Barton, she was the founder of the American Red Cross. She was reminded one day of a uh, a vicious deed that someone had done to her years before. But she acted as if she had never even heard of the incident. She said, I don't, or someone said, don't you remember it? Her friend asked, no. Came Barton's reply, I distinctly remember forgetting it. I hope that's the way that we can have. Um, God remembers our sin no more. We ought to remember their sin no more. That's not easy. That's an act of faith and grace. But that's how we ought to treat others. And uh, it starts right now, doesn't it? You know, um, it's very easy in homes and churches. When we start focusing on ourselves and we're not really walking with the Lord, it's so easy to harbor bitterness and, and an unforgiving spirit and not being right with people. And uh, we need we need to just get that daily cleansing from the Lord. We need to get cleansing tonight, probably. And I need to get right with others. And we need to just forgive. You know, the responsibility isn't just the other person. If they've wronged you, that they need to come. You, you need to just go get right with them. The one that's offended and the offender. It, it just getting right. You You can only be responsible for your end. You leave it to God. But isn't it good to be right with God and to do all you can to be right with others? It is. Let's pray.